This morning, we're going to talk about first fruits, honoring God in our first fruits. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity for you to share your word with us. We give you praise because your word is precious. It gives us direction and it gives us wisdom. And we thank you for that. And we honor your word today. We don't take it lightly. Help us to apply it to our lives. Open our understanding, Lord, in all our getting. Help us to get understanding. Lord, our spirits are open and help us to be fertile and good soil for your word so that it can produce a harvest. We thank you, Lord. We walk in your word and we remember to do it. And your word says, thereby we will make our way prosperous and have good success. That is our goal today. To not walk in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers or stand in the way of the scornful. But let our delight be upon you. On your word, help us to meditate on it both day and night. Help us to be trees that stand by streams of living water whose leaves do not wither. Help us to bear our fruits in due season. Help us to work so that whatever we do prospers. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're talking about the first fruits today, and um, we're talking about basic principles or laws, foundations of faith. In the past few weeks, our pastor has been explaining um, sowing seed to us, right? And the principle of sowing seed. And he told us that it's not about what you give, but it's about your what? Heart. Somebody said it. It's about your heart. It's about your motive. It's about your intention behind the giving. So the first question is, do I have to give first fruits? Do I have to tithe? Do I have to sow seed? The answer is no. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> God is not forcing you to do anything. So don't be condemned. Don't be feel, don't feel guilty. You know, this is a decision to be a disciple of Christ is a decision that you make. So thereby you decide how your life will unfold, right? We learn about destiny. Destiny is a result of the decisions you make, right? So our destiny today was to be in the house of God because we decided to get up and put our clothes on and come to the house of God. If we had not decided to do that, then this would not be our destiny. Our destiny would be something else, right? So let's put it in another way. Um, if you want to be a doctor, lawyer, or Indian chief, you make a decision to follow the steps to do that thing, right? And if you don't make those steps, then that end is not your destiny, right? So we want to know what is the purpose of first fruits. And is it something we should do today as a body of Christ and New Testament believers? Okay. All right. I think this time of year is the perfect time to talk about giving because it is the time of year when we know Jesus gave his life as a ransom or a payment for our sins. So we know that today is Palm Sunday. So in the Bible, it talks about uh, before Jesus went to the cross, he came into the city and people threw down palm branches in front of him. And they said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So they were saying, our Savior is here. The Savior is here. He's blessed. 
blessing us. He bless, he's blessed. He's a blessing and he blesses us as he comes into the city. Right? So today, I mean, that's why I was like, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's a day of praise. This whole season starting today and all the way through Pentecost is just a whole festive, uh, celebratory season. Right? All right. The first fruits offering offering is a fundamental biblical principle, a principle Our pastor talked about principles a few weeks ago, and he told us that a principle is a conviction or a standard that we as individuals have decided to live by. It's a line that we draw in the sand. It's a line that says, I'll go this far and no more. This is what I live for. This is what I'll die for, right? God has established some principles that he set for himself and for our lives here on the planet. We know that principle comes from the Latin uh, word. It's a a fundamental or basic truth that serves as the foundation for a system of belief or a behavior or a chain of reasoning. The Latin origin princip means first. Principium means source. Principia means foundation. So our principles are first. They're our source. They're our foundations for the way we live. One basic God-established principle of the earth is the law of gravity. That's just one example of a principle, an earthly principle, right? What goes up has to do what? Come down. If you test the law of gravity, you'll find it's true, right? There's nothing that you can do to change it. Whatever goes up eventually has to come down. Is there a consequence to testing the law of gravity? Is there a consequence to testing? Yeah, yeah. But the consequence of this test is just a proof that this, yes, is in fact a law. Some of us have, as as children, we have tested that law. We thought we could jump off of things, you know, like the playground. I can fly! No, you can't. (laughs) You know, we've, we've tested that law, right? Another law that Sir Isaac Newton discovered is the third law of motion. And it says, for every action, there is an opposite and equal reaction, right? Some examples of this are if you shoot a rifle, the force that propels the bullet forward also produces a force that kicks back against your shoulder, right? So something goes forward and something comes back. If people are uh, skating, ice skating, or roller skating, and they push their hands together, they're pushing forward, but the motion will make them move back from each other, right? So whatever, whenever there is an emotion, there's an opposite and equal reaction, right? Spiritually speaking, God has established principles that have guaranteed results. Wherever there's emotion, there's an opposite and equal reaction, All right. All right. One of these established principles is found in Luke six verses 37 and 38. Let's turn there. Luke six verses 37 and 38. Six. It says, do not judge. You will not be judged. Do not condemn you will not be condemned. Forgive, you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will pour be poured into your lap, right? So it's talking about judgment, 
it's talking about, um, what's the other one? Condemnation. It's talking about forgiveness. If you give these things out to people, if you judge others, if you condemn them, if you don't forgive them, don't expect it in return, right? The same measure that you use, the same mercy that you have for other people, the same good spirit, compassion that you have for others will be given back to you. And it'll be given in a good measure. It'll be given pressed down. It'll be given shaken together. And it will be given running, running over. Amen? Another principle is found in Matthew six thirty through 33. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is, which is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Therefore, don't worry. Saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? After all those kind of things, unbelievers seek for those things. Your heavenly father knows that you need those things. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. What is the kingdom of God? What does it mean? What does it mean? What seek the kingdom of God. What does that mean? The kingdom is a way of governing. It's a way of doing things. So what he's saying is seek first God's way of doing things, right? And how to be in right standing with him. And then what you need to eat, what you need to drink, what you need to wear will be added unto you. Amen. All right. So we don't have to worry about those things. We don't have to be, um, Follow money, you know, we don't have to be running after money, just chasing after it all the time. But we have to seek God and his way of doing things. And those things will be added unto us. One last principle is found in Proverbs 3, verse 5. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. How do you trust in the Lord with all your heart and not lean on your own understanding? How do we do these practical things that the Bible teaches us that maybe we don't see is so practical? What does that look like, trusting in the Lord with all of your heart? Well, let's see. We could say... Trusting in the Lord with all your heart. Maybe I have a pain uh, or, you know, I don't, I don't feel God, feel good. I don't feel good and I don't feel God because I don't feel good. But um, how, how can we use that? Trusting in the Lord with all of your heart, not leaning to our own understanding and all of our ways, acknowledging him, he will direct our path. Now, some people will say, don't take any medicine and don't go to any doctors. But there's a reason God put healing in some people's hands. There, there, there's a reason for that. So maybe that's, that's not the answer. Uh, some, but the first thing that some people do, if they feel a pain, Ooh, I got to get some Tylenol. <laughs> that's a, that, if that's the first thought that comes to your mind, that's not trusting in the Lord with all of your heart. Right. Or if, um, you know, we hear about things on the news about, uh, different things, police, pulling people over, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we have a, a, a teenager and they say, I want to go out to, to so-and-so. Oh, no, you can't go. Something might happen. No, that's not trusting in the Lord with all of your heart. You know, walking in fear is not trusting in the Lord with all of your heart. So what we have to do is we have to sit down and we have to steal ourselves and we say, God, what do you say in this situation? What, what do you say? How do I, how do I move? What do I do? You know, and whatever he says, what, what does pastor say? 
Do it. <laughs> Whatever he says, do it. You guys listening to your pastor, that's good. <laughs> Whatever he says, do it. Sometimes, you know, one time one of our kids was really sick. I think it was Nia. She was a baby. And uh, we had pastor to brought her up for prayer. And she had been sick for a while. He prayed over her. He said, oh, give her two aspirin. She'll be fine. And that's what we did, and she was fine, <laughs> you know. So sometimes following the prophet, not sometimes, but, you know, if, you, if your prophet is following God, do what he says, amen? Do it. Whatever he says, whatever the Lord says, do it. Amen. All right, we're going to review. So we have Luke six thirty-seven and 38. The amount of judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness you give out will be given back to you. That's the first one. Second one, seek God's way of doing things first and your needs will be met. That's the second one. The third one, trust God completely and he will lead you in the right direction for your life. Amen. Those are just three basic principles for living. If you obey them, you will be blessed. Another one too is honor the, honor your parents in the Lord for this is right because it extends your days. That's another one that works. I'm telling you guys, it works. <laughs> Honor your parents in the Lord. It is right. Your days will be long. Another foundational principle. Now, God also gave some principles or instructions for his people to follow concerning their worship. One of the first directives is first fruits. The first time we see a first fruits offering is in Genesis 4 with Cain and Abel. And it says, when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. And when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. Now, why do you think you had two brothers coming up, offering something to the Lord? The Lord looks at one and says, mm -mm, I don't want that. The Lord looks at the other and he, and he accepts it. Now think of you, you and your siblings trying to give a gift <laughs> to, to your dad. And he says, what is that? <laughs> I don't want that. But he accepts the other one. Ooh, you're going to have some tension in the house, right? <coughs> and we know that Cain was so angry that he killed his brother. But why do you think Cain's offering was not accepted? Somebody out here knows why. Tell us. It wasn't the first. And what else? And it wasn't the best. It wasn't the first. And it wasn't the best. Okay? So if you're doing your finances or whatever, or what, whatever it is. You know, I had to learn this lesson with just giving gifts. Because I'm a selfish. I, I used to be selfish. I'm getting better. <laughs> I used to be selfish. Um, but just giving gifts, like uh, my kids had birthday parties and things. I didn't put much thought into it. I thought, you know, the kid's six. You know, they probably won't care. So I didn't put that much thought into it. But, you know, the Lord had to chastise me and say, no, put thought in gifts that you're giving Show that you care, you know, put some intention behind it. And I found that I was blessed just giving when I put the thought behind it. You know, it didn't have anything to do with me. It didn't benefit us at all. But just to give and put a good effort behind it and give the best that you can blesses you. Bringing an offering to God must have been a, must have been a practice that was familiar to Cain and Abel or they wouldn't have done it. 
So their parents must have taught them, oh, we give back to God, or he must have instructed them to do it, or why would they have done it, right? Abel's offering was accepted because it was the best and it was the first of what God had provided. Cain was rejected because it says, in the course of time, Cain also presented his offering. His wasn't the first and it wasn't the best. Uh, we know this also in Hebrews 11 and 4. It says, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended or praised as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. All right. So by faith, he's still saying, give your best, give your first, even though he's not here. Right. When Abraham offered Isaac as a living sacrifice, we know Isaac, right? The, the, the son of promise from Abraham, right? He was the firstborn son of promise. Um, and God commanded, commanded it of Abraham, and he obeyed. But God provided a substitute or a ram to take the boy's place. Because we know that in the Old Testament, everything is a type or a shadow or an example of what Jesus was, right? So now God is not saying, give me, sacrifice your firstborn sons as human people. We don't have to sacrifice our firstborn sons because Jesus died on the cross for that, right? And even at that time, he, he also provided a ram or a, a, a substitute, a, redeem, a redeemer, a redemption for the boy. Amen. Let's turn to Exodus 23, verses 14 to 16. Remember, we're talking about God's first principles in our worship. So when the Israelites came out of Egypt, God gave them some instructions about their worship. He said, each year, you must celebrate three festivals in my honor. First, celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. For seven days, the bread you eat must be made without yeast, just as I commanded you. So God has specific instructions. Celebrate this festival annually at the appointed time in early spring in the month of Abib, which is around this time of year. It's the first uh, month of the Jewish calendar. For that is the anniversary of your departure from Egypt. No one may appear before me without an offering. No one may appear before me without an offering. He said, when I brought you out of slavery and I, I want you to honor me through three festivals, don't come to me with nothing in your hand. This is God speaking. Don't come before me with no offering. We should never come into worship with nothing to give. That is a first principle law from the Lord about our, uh, our worship. It says, second, celebrate the festival of harvest when you bring me the first crops of your harvest. Finally, celebrate the festival of the final harvest at the end of the harvest season when you have harvested all the crops from your field. So we have Passover. We have the first festival of harvest, which we call Pentecost, and the last festival of harvest, which is the, uh, the Feast of Trumpets, Booths, the Feast of Booths. This directive was given from God after the Ten Commandments were given to Moses the first time. So we saw first fruits in Genesis with Cain and Abel. And then God brought the Israelites out of Egypt and they're in the wilderness and God gives them the Ten Commandments, right? So we see it right after he gives the Ten Commandments. Now all this is before the law, okay? Okay. 
Starting in chapter 21, the Lord goes into detail about how he wants his people to live. So in, in, in Exodus 20, we have the Ten Commandments. 21, 22, 23, we have all the d- detail about how God wants his people to live, right? After the golden calf incident, right? So Moses is up on the mountain. People go crazy, start you know, having orgies, taking their clothes off, just losing their mind, just worshiping a golden, uh, golden calf. He comes back down. Moses had to receive new instructions from God after this, right? Because he got so angry that he broke the first instructions. So he had to give, get new, a new set of Ten Commandments. And that's in Exodus 34. All right? The celebration of first fruits is still a part of God's requirements. So we saw it in Genesis. We saw it right after the first set of Ten Commandments. We see it again after the second set of Ten Commandments. This must be pretty important to God. He doesn't let them forget it. He keeps reminding them. So if we go to Leviticus 23, he goes into more detail about the festivals. One point that I want to draw out is that God says these festivals are to be a lasting ordinance wherever you live for generations to come. Some translations say do it forever. I read this a few years ago and I remember asking my husband, how come we don't do this? It clearly says, do this forever. (laughs) What's up? (laughs) Why don't we do this? The Bible clearly says, do this forever. So we're going to read Leviticus 23, 9 through 14. And I'm reading from the voice translation. Um, This is the eternal one or God speaking. It says, go talk with the Israelites and tell them that when you are settled in the land, I am going to give you. And when you harvest there, you are to gather a bundle of stalks from the first fruits of the barley harvest and present them to the priest. On the day after the Sabbath, the priests will raise up the bundles of stalks and wave them before me so that you will be accepted. Also, on the day that the stalks are waved, you must present an unblemished year-old male lamb to me as a burnt offering. The grain offering you bring with it is to be four quarts of the finest flour mixed with oil. The smoke of the fire offering will rise and be a pleasant aroma to me. Present it along with a drink offering of two and a half pints of wine. Do not consume any bread, roasted grain, or any of the new harvest until this day when you have presented the offering to me, your God. This directive stands for all times throughout your generations, regardless of where you live. Amen. All right. So he talks about the first fruits of the barley harvest. We have to remember that these people were a land people, right? So they dealt with um, exchange, not necessarily of money or gold or coins all the time. Their exchange a lot of times was in their cattle and in their harvest. So their wheat harvest and their cattle was what represented their strength or their wealth, right? So for us, what represents our strength or our wealth materially? What? money or or our possessions right so that's why churches say offer money that's why we don't bring grain bread whatever now if that if that is your income if you are a farmer and you want to offer food as a uh, offering i think the lord would be pleased because you can always give food to people who need it right 
All right. But most of us, our offering is in money because it, it represents our material strength, right? So he says, bring that offering first to me and wave it before me. And he has specific instructions. All of your giving comes by revelation. Don't give just because somebody says it's time to give. Seek God, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to give. Just because a minister stands up and says, I want a hundred dollar offer and I feel three people, three people, three people gonna give a hundred dollar offer and a thousand people, a thousand, thousand dollar offer. We got five people up, we got one, one, two, three, four, a thousand dollar. If God has not said that to you, don't do it. <laughs> but don't come into the house of God empty handed. Be prepared to give something. All right. Ask the Lord what you're supposed to give before you come. Now, there are times when you have prepared something and God will say, I want you to give something else. Right. There are times be open to that, but don't be led just because somebody says, you know, give this certain amount. Feel like, oh, I have to because we don't give under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. Right. Amen. All right. Let's keep going. Amen. All right. We're going to um, go down to Leviticus. Did I read all this? I think I already read that. Okay. Let's turn to Leviticus 23, 15 through 17. From the day after the Sabbath, verses 15 through 17, Leviticus 23. When you presented the bundles, the bundled stalks, the first fruit of the barley harvest as a wave offering to me, then count off seven whole weeks. Count to the day after the seventh Sabbath, the 50 days. Then I want you to bring a fresh grain offering to me. So they had a, a first fruits offering right at Passover time. They had a second first fruits offering at Pentecost, right? Then I want you to bring a second, uh, bring a fresh grain offering to me. Bring two loaves of bread from wherever you live as a wave offering. The loaves are to be made with yeast from four quarts of the finest flour as the first fruits to me. Remember, there are specific instructions in there. Listen for God's specific instructions in your giving. So now we see that the principle of first fruits was established before the law with Abel. We see God instituted in the lifestyle of the Israelites in Exodus. We see it reiterated in Leviticus. We see first fruits again in Deuteronomy 26 because this time they're getting closer and closer to the promised land. God gives them another reminder. So in Deuteronomy, they're about to walk over into that thing God has promised them. He says, okay, now when you get into the land, the eternal, your, your God is giving you to live in. And when you've taken possession of it and are living there, then take some of the very first produce you harvest from the land. He is giving you put it in a basket and go to the place he will choose for his name. Go to the priest who is serving at the time and say this. So when we bring our first fruits, we are to come with a praise. We don't just lay it down. Their instruction was to say this. The eternal promised our ancestors he'd give us this land. And I'm here today to acknowledge to the eternal, my true God, I've officially settled in. All right. I've, I've accomplished that thing that God set before me. Then the priest will take the basket from you and set it in front of the altar of the eternal, your God. You will then testify in the presence of him. 
I'm descended from an Aramean nomad. The Lord watched over him everywhere he went. They're talking about Abraham. They're descended from Abraham. The Lord watched over him everywhere he went. When he and his family moved to Egypt, there were only a few of them. But as they lived there as foreigners, they grew into a large, great, powerful nation. The Egyptians mistreated us and oppressed us. They made us their slaves and worked us mercilessly. Then we cried out to the eternal, the God of our ancestors, and he heard us. He saw that we were oppressed and exploited and mistreated. He delivered us with overwhelming power, totally terrifying the Egyptians by testing them with plagues, showing he was the true God by doing amazing things to them. Now, guys, as Christians, we should have amazing testimonies. Right. When we give our offering, it's because God has blessed us. That's what the first fruits offering is. It's because we've been blessed. So when we give that offering, we should be able to testify about what God has done. This is what causes other people to want to know our God. If we don't have anything to show for it, then what, what's the point? No, nobody wants nothing. If you struggling like I am, what I'm going to serve your God for? That's crazy, right? So we should always have a testimony of what God has done, especially when we present our offering offering before the Lord. Okay. And it goes on to say, now, as a result, I brought my first fruits offering. All right. The blessing of the first fruits offering is also found in Proverbs. So it goes on from the Pentateuch outside the first five books of the Bible on to the old Testament, the Proverbs. Now Proverbs are words of wisdom, right? Given by Solomon, one of the wisest men on the earth. So these are words of wisdom to live by. Now, I live by other Proverbs, and nobody has a problem with it. But if you talk about this one, people say, why you want my money? Well, you don't have to give if you don't want to. But you'll be blessed if you follow wisdom given by the Lord. Amen? Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Another version says, Pay tribute to the eternal in all your affairs. Honor him with the best of what you make. That way you will prosper to the fullest and have plenty of food to eat and wine to drink. All right? So if, if he stopped at honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, if that's all he said, it would be enough because it's wisdom to live by. And we love the Lord and our desire is to honor him. So if he didn't say anything else except honor the Lord with the first of all you have, we should be like the Israelites and say, yes, Lord, we will do it. <laughs> Amen. That should be our attitude and everything. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on and says, if you do this, then all of your needs will be met. You will prosper to the fullest and have plenty of food to eat and wine to drink. All right. All right. Now, where are we supposed to give our first fruits? You know, sometimes people have offerings and they say, well, I, I paid my tithes. I, I gave some to so-and-so because they were in need. Or I sent it to a parachurch organization like a, the Hannah Center or a Backstreet Missions or something because they need it. You know, there's a lot of people in our church. Our church doesn't need it. But God has specific instructions about how you give, right? So in Ezekiel 44 and verse 30, it says, the best of all the first fruits and of all your special gifts will belong to the priest. I'm going to say it again. 
The best of all the first fruits and of all your special gifts will belong to the priests. I am a pastor. I did not write this. Who wrote this? God. All scripture is there for our instruction, right? All right. So we're going to read it again. The best of all the first fruits and of all your special gifts belong to the priest. You are to give them the first portion of your ground meal so that a blessing may rest on your household. You give it to the, your man of God, people say, or your pastor, the person who is your spiritual head, so that a blessing may rest on your house. It's not even for the pastor. It's for a blessing to come on your house, all right? All right, now we will see how the offering of the first food, fruits ties into the new season. All right, <laughs> we're in the New Testament. God subjected himself through Jesus. God su- subjected himself to this law through Jesus, through the commandment of the first fruits, right? Jesus was given as the first and only of God the Father. We see that in John 3.16. It says, come on, y'all, John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not die but have everlasting life. Yeah, you guys, you know, we did the program here with the kids. <laughs> Jesus was given as the first and only of God the Father. Jesus, upon his resurrection, became the first fruits of those raised from the dead. So Jesus was the first fruits as born into the world. He was the first fruits even raised from the dead, right? All right, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15. 12 through 22. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sin. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are all, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Amen? So Christ is the first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep. You know, some, um, some, in our doubts, in our fears, unbelief, we doubt the Lord. And these Corinthians also had some doubts, right? Because obviously there were some people who said, ah, oh, there is no resurrection. And Paul tells them, what? If there's no resurrection, then what are you doing, right? Why are you here if there is no resurrection? Christ indeed has been raised. So let's move on from that because that's a, that's a first, that's, that's a basic principle. We believe Christ is raised from the dead. Now, what about everything else? Okay, we believe Christ is raised from the dead, but 
I don't know. Maybe that just, I think God wants me to do that. But maybe it won't. I don't know. I mean, I heard God say, do so-and-so, but mm, I, I don't know. I I need this, you know, to continue my education or I need this to pay a bill, but I don't know if God's going to do that. I don't know. Think of Paul. Think of the apostle Paul, the disciples, Peter, James, John, looking out of heaven saying, what? What are you doing? What's the point? I say, if you're a Christian, be a believer. (laughs) Be a believer. Believe it all. Believe the whole book. Stand on it. Fight for it. You know, die for it. You know, defend the faith. What is the point if you're not going to be all in? Don't be halfway in. I'm just trying to make heaven my home. Don't live like that. That's a defeated life. Live above on top of the world. One of my favorite songs. We're living on top of the world, right? Because we don't live according to this worldly system, what people call Babylon system, our governmental system. We live according to the kingdom of God. We live according to his ways. We sit down before him. We study his word. We call on the Holy Spirit for direction in our lives. He gives us his word to guide our decisions in our daily lives. He gives us an intellect to make our own decisions. You get to a point where God says, you know what to do. Just make a choice, you know, just do it. And then he supports you in your choices. What are you doing if you say you're a Christian, but you're not living for God? What are you doing if you're saying you're a Christian, but you're afraid of being a Christian? around people who you think might be offended what are you doing live for christ amen 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 all right sorry (laughs) we believers are a type of first fruits unto god through the sanctifying work of the holy spirit we are also a first fruits of god through the sanctifying work of the holy spirit let's turn to second thessalonians 2 verses 12 through 14 It says, but we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. He called you to be a first fruits that you might share in the glory of of the Lord Jesus Christ. How does Jesus Christ represent glory? How do we share in the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ? Come on, we got a whole lot of saved people for a long time. Answer me, answer me, answer me, answer me. How do we represent glory in the Lord Jesus Christ? We share in the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. How can we do that? I'm ready, go ahead. Our witness Yes, the way we live our life represents the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. James 1:17 says, "Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change. Our Father does not change. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So he had um, specific instructions about our worship to bring material first fruits. He became a first fruits through Jesus. He made us first fruits through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Amen. Now we also see first fruits in Revelation. So we've seen it from Genesis 
to Revelation. Revelation 14, starting at verse 3, it says, And they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. These are those who did not defile themselves with women, for they remained virgins. They follow the lamb wherever he goes. They were purchased from among mankind and offered as first fruits to God and the lamb. So we have it from beginning to end. First fruits is not just an Old Testament concept. It was before the law. It was during the law. It was after the law was abolished. The grain, blood, and wine offering in the Old Testament was made complete in the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is the reason we live and move and have our being. And this is explained in Colossians 2. It says, and when your flesh was still uncircumcised and you were dead in transgressions and full of your sinful nature, it was God who brought us to life with him, who forgave all our sins and eliminated the massive debt we incurred by the law that stood against us. He took it all away. He nailed it to the cross. But that's not all. He disarmed those who once ruled over us. That sin that once ruled over us, he disarmed it. He put it, put them on display to the world to show his victory over them by means of the cross. So don't let anyone stand in judgment over you and dictate what you should eat or drink or what festivals you should celebrate or how you should observe a new moon or a Sabbath. All these are only a shadow of what shall come. The reality, the core, the importance is found in the anointed one. So let's not at the end of this service today say, oh my gosh, we need to celebrate this and we need to celebrate Pentecost and then we need to celebrate again in the fall after the end of the harvest season it says no 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 it says all of those were a type and a shadow of the reality of jesus christ so what is the first what is the point of us offering our first fruits now it is to honor the lord with all of our substance that is the whole point to honor god he said this is a lasting ordinance do it forever and ever throughout all generations no matter where you live because he knew they would be dispersed throughout the whole world and he knew that others would be grafted in and he knew that the temple would be destroyed and he knew that there would be not be um, a convenient way to bring, bring blood sacrifices anymore he already made provision for it he just said look just honor me with all your substance with the first fruits of everything you get I'm going to bless you. You'll have everything you need to eat and drink and store up and give away. That's his promise. That's his financial promise to us. Amen. All right. Let's keep going. Almost finished. How should we give now? What are our instructions for giving as New Testament believers? Let's return to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, in light of all I have shared with you about God's mercies, I urge you to offer your bodies as living and holy sacrifices to God, a sacred offering that brings him pleasure. This is your reasonable, essential worship. Do not allow this world to mold you in its own image. Instead, be transformed from the inside out by renewing your mind. As a result, you will be able to discern what God wills and whatever God finds good, 
pleasing and complete. If you offer him your body and you renew your mind through the word of God, then you will be able to receive the instructions he wants you to have about giving. You won't have to come in in any condemnation. If you only have a dollar, the Lord knows you're not supposed to give a hundred. Amen. If you have 25, he's not going to ask you for a thousand. He's going to ask you for the best and the first of what you have. Amen. But you have to renew your mind by the word of God. All right. In first Corinthians 16, it says on the first day of the week, this is how we give as new Testament believers. First Corinthians 16 on the first day of the, of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up. So that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So this is Paul. Paul traveled to different churches and the churches supported him. Right. But he said, look, don't wait till I get there to start collecting money and see what you have. Go ahead, decide what you're going to give on the first day of the week. Have it set aside so that we won't have to make collections. Right. Amen. So do it intentionally. Give your first fruits intentionally. All right. Second Corinthians nine, six through eight. This is our motive. This is our uh, expression of the way we should give. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound for every good work. Amen.